0: You're listening to Beyond the Page, a podcast run by the editors of PRISM, Oregon State's art and literary journal, where we'll be diving deeper into and engaging with the creative works of the student community. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to PRISM's podcast called Beyond the Page.
1: I'm Erin Dose. I'm the editor-in-chief of PRISM.
0: And I'm Christina Wright, the assistant editor of Prism Journal. And today we have a guest with us who is a contributor from last year, hopefully this year as well. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about yourself?
2: Yeah. um, Hi, I'm Murphy. Um, Thanks for having me. Um, I'm a junior here at Oregon State, and I'm just here to read some poems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear that you're... Ready to read some poems? Start
1: with your first <laughs> that I <one>? haven't prepared. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this one is from a Prism edition in 1974, and this one's called Ode to a Butterfly by Cliff Porter. Indescribable beauty, lifting within reach, fluttering gently, iridescent wings hover, then descend to repose and rest, so delicate and fragile, a puff of wind would whisk you away. Butterfly, you mean a great deal to me. Sensitive grace, reclining completely at ease, unafraid, yet I am afraid. Afraid that in touching, I might bruise you. I wish that I might be a butterfly too. For to flit calmly over sunlit fields, filled with flowers and dreams, is what I covet. Being busy always, yet perfectly at ease, what more does one need, butterfly? Come Fly With Me.
1: I love that one. (laughs) That was a really beautiful reading as well.
2: It's really delicate.
1: Yeah, it fits the butterfly really well in that it's um, very simple, very light, beautiful Mm -hmm. imagery. I really like that it kind of puts you in the position of the butterfly. At the end it says, Come Fly With Me. I think that that's great. Yeah, I like that it's, like
0: you said, really delicate, but also to me it kind of seems like a call, like a reaching out for someone or something um, want, almost like wanting to be soft too mm-hmm. like I'm reaching out to this soft thing and I w- wish I could be as soft as you
1: and united with it and united yeah. with nature I think that's wonderful and we were talking about how in the 70s one of the general impressions of the 70s is all peace and love and this poem kind of fits that vibe
0: yeah it kind of mm-hmm. makes me wonder like what was he doing doing like what did he see yeah
1: (laughs) did he write this sitting in the mu quad (laughs) yeah (laughs) watching butterflies go by
2: (laughs) yeah i i always wonder like where these students are coming from because like when you hear about a poet you always think of them i don't know being some literary especially in the past some literary you know scholar but they're just the same age as us so it makes me wonder like where he's coming from
0: you know you bring up a good point i almost wonder if we see the like, the beauty in it and think, oh, this beautiful poem and poet, because it's older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, like, vintage, almost. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: yeah. And it's also interesting because I feel like so often in both art and literature, you aren't really accepted until you're gone. Your work isn't really appreciated for what it is until you're no longer around. And I don't know if that's just, like, a morbid attraction to <laughs> art that people have, or that's just legitimately the way it is psychologically but mm-hmm. it's very interesting
2: and hello to Cliff Porter if you're still alive I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure if you're
1: alive yeah, we still appreciate your right. work <laughs> thank you Cliff Porter if you happen to still
0: love Prism and keep tabs this next poem is called Preventable Fine Arts by Stephen R. Jones Deletante How can you avoid the poem that should never have been written? The painting that should never have been painted. You dwell in sayings that should have never been spoken. Art, even when regrettably bad like our dreams, fulfills various obligations. Freud, the Viennese dream speaker, never offered to cancel them. I really enjoy this poem. As an artist, poet myself, sometimes I find myself in the middle going, why am I doing this? or like getting really frustrated with the process, maybe I should stop. Maybe, maybe this shouldn't have been written, but you know, you kind of learn to keep going. And I feel like with this poem, Stephen R. Jones might've been going through that same dilemma. Like maybe mm-hmm. in the middle of his artistic process was like, no, how can you avoid it? Just keep going. And mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful and timeless for especially students. Yeah. Where a bad grade really could you know, <laughs> discourage <laughs> us from doing something.
2: Like, anybody who knows that, like, if they're being graded in something art, that it is kind of odd to be, like, graded on something so abstract.
1: Yeah. And personal. Right,
2: yeah. It's it's very subjective,
0: too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's subjective, but I'm sure that there are other, like, techniques and stuff I'm just unaware of. But it just seems like, how do you grade a painting? Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's that, like you said, there's that pressure, like, this has to be perfect, or it's not going to get a good grade
1: yeah, I also like that line in there that you pointed out earlier actually that um, art, even when regrettably bad, like our dreams, fulfills various obligations. I think that that the way I interpret that is that um, it doesn't really matter the quality if it helped you in some way to mm-hmm. have that self-expression. It was a worth a worthwhile pursuit and it was worth your time to do. And I think that's a really valuable lesson, especially for, our students, um, something we hear all the time in all of our classes and in the world is that mm-hmm. it's not good enough, don't look at it yet, I'm not done. But or
0: I'm not creative.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and, a, and you are, everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great poem for the
0: arti- artistic process in my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, no regrets. <laughs> That's no basically regrets. what that exactly. That's what it means to me. <laughs> I love
0: it. Thank you, Stephen R. Jones for letting me feel no regrets in my art.
1: (laughs) powerful message. Okay, this next poem comes from the 1985 edition of Prism. It is by Denise Branch and it is entitled, They. Who are they? Why do they run everything and everyone? Who appointed them? They say how I should act. They say how I should talk. They say what clothes to wear. They tell me what I should say. They tell me what thoughts I should think. They tell me how to do everything. I don't like them. I want to run my own life. Tell them to go away.
2: (laughs) We all know who they
1: is. (laughs) I like that. I like how this poem is definitely very strong but it doesn't necessarily call anyone out by name or anything. Yeah, I think that this is a good poem for the time that we're currently living in, and a lot of political turmoil, a lot of controversial events. Mm -hmm. It's important to remember that we are our own individual people and we need to stand up for ourselves if something is obstructing us. Definitely. Again, even though this was 85, Mm -hmm. in, in 1985,
0: it still feels really relevant because this person, like thinking about 1985, it's very rare that someone would have been so in tune with, like, the politics was going on all over the world, whereas now we can see yeah. everything. That's true, yeah. And I feel like now we are more conscious of, like, them mm. acting on us.
2: Yeah, my, um, even my parents say that all the time. Every time I mention something or my siblings, you know, mention some, you know, specific law or, um, like, there's middle schoolers talking about senators and Things like wow. that. It's really, you know, uh, like even all this, you know, turmoil is happening. It it is, makes me optimistic about mm-hmm. the future. And it, you know, it moves in waves too.
1: And it doesn't necessarily matter what your political affiliation is, but if you are an educated and informed member of the public, you're you're doing something right.
2: This edition of Prisms from 1986, um, and this poem is called "Wisdom" by Janet Rayan. The hand, wrinkled and thin, reaches into the book, grasping lines of knowledge. Those lines fall through bony fingers that cannot hold and crash harshly onto the unswept floor. Shattered pieces left unreached beckon to be claimed, but a deafened ear protects the mind, continuing to grasp into the book for so much more.
1: I like that one. I like that it's kind of along the same lines of staying educated and standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. I
2: think. Yeah, it's it's kind of like using your own knowledge as your def- like as your weapon in a way. Like, mm-hmm. do your own research, or kind of like you guys were saying, like the independent like individual independence, where it's mm-hmm. not being tied to too many different groups, mm-hmm. but kind of having your own perspective. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: identity is so important.
0: Well, I'm kind of wondering, that's 86, was there any, like, I'm trying to think of any like significant things happening in the 80s, was there like a boom of like,
1: individuality or something?
2: I think, I think it was like, a return to conservative, or conservatism.
1: And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure back against that. And then I think also, with the AIDS crisis, there was a lot of. Oppression towards the LGBTQIA+ community, right? right. And um, protest culture really, I think, swelled up to meet that oppression. So that might be part of where that is coming from. Yeah.
0: I can kind of see that kind of telling people like educate yourself, don't just yeah, take exactly. what you know.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. hmm There's a lot of sense. fear, a lot of hysteria, I think, in that movement, and mm-hmm. there wasn't really necessary either. I mean, of course, it's important to combat diseases but you don't need to be afraid of people as they stand or walk down the street yeah and
0: I mean even though we're speculating on if that was like part of what Mm -hmm. why this was written I I like it because I feel like as the like this poem and a lot of other poems it I feel like it paints this picture and like shows that poetry is a catalyst for things like it's not Mm -hmm. just art like like artivism, like I've been learning about, it's like art with a like socially progressive message. Because mm-hmm. yeah. again, I don't think in the 80s they were preaching like everybody go out and <laughs> like learn things yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it was more like just go to yeah. school
1: and... Right, <laughs> you know. and yeah, you have, sometimes you have to take matters into your own hands when it comes to education. Because some people have an agenda that doesn't really fit the purpose of education.
0: And so from the Prism nineteen Spring of 1995 edition, I will be reading Autumn by <laughs> Amy Hellickson. It was autumn, and I, arriving home from summer's doorway, picked innocence from satin lavenders and drank sweet wine with smoky lips. Ignorance, I should have known, winter was knocking.
1: I like that one because... Right now it's the beginning of fall and we're starting to think about those themes of transition and change and maturity and growing up. So I think that it's interesting that some things never change. And I mean, we know that logically, but it's cool to see it reflected in art too.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say we're kind of in that exact transition right now. And I think it's um, interesting how that poem kind of comes from a um, sensory, Perspective because the seasons are so sensory, you know, um, based. I mean, everything is sight, sound, smell, taste. So.
0: I agree. It does like have a very distinct image, feeling. It's like it's very relatable. Like, we can all put ourselves in here. I especially like saying, uh, arriving home from summer's doorway. Cause autumn does feel like this time where you're relaxed or getting into the hi- not maybe not hibernation mode, but like relaxing summer was fun and games and sunshine and beaches. Yeah. Autumn is okay. Relax. We're going to
1: And there's something, <laughs> come home. There's something super homey about autumn too, like the decorations and the food and holidays and being with your family.
2: So this is from winter 2002. Um, and it's a poem called In My Pocket by Brad Canfield. Today, as I sauntered down the sun-smacked sidewalk, like some kind of sleepwalking rent to ghost I saw a very tired woman, washed up on the curb like a dopamine shell, slapped and smattered in the churn cycle of a thousand black oceans. She sucked down charcoal dust smoke, held it in her surrendered lungs, and then spit it back out into the charcoal dust parking lot of the grocery store prison where they pay her seventy-seven dollars 50 an hour to become a part of the math equation. And all I could do was pretend to be looking for change in my pocket. Very heavy. That was probably my favorite one so far. Um, because of, I liked the way he used change kind of as a, you know, like a physical object and Actual, like, change as a concept, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then in my pocket, I kind of, like... I know, it's always nice when, like, poets kind of tie it back at them. And kind of, you know, the relevance of $7.50 really hasn't changed. I mean, it's 2002, so, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but mm-hmm. with how much prices have gone up and the cost of living, yeah, I mean, somebody could make this today and it would still have the same exact meaning and consequences
1: yeah well
0: because i'm pretty sure 750 was like oregon's minimum wage but federal minimum wage is i think less than that isn't it? like 725 it hasn't
1: risen at all to meet inflation that was 16 years ago 2002 was so yeah yeah that's pretty sad that not much has changed (laughs) also that ending at like reminds me of how bad i feel every time i eat at mcdonald's <laughs> because i'm just yeah. like i don't want to give this corporation more money but at the I same know. time i'm a poor college student and yes. uh, sometimes all i have is two dollars for dinner so
2: and that's their, probably their goal huh is that we're dependent yeah yeah, on them, yeah um, that's
1: the thing definitely
0: i feel like the sentiment you like you're dilemma with gwen mcdonald's that's exactly what he's talking about
1: i think (laughs) so yeah at the very end there when it kind of comes back to the speaker and they're like i can do nothing about Mm -hmm. this and it's really disheartening
0: yeah like yeah personally i would love to buy like cruelty free like clothing and Mm -hmm. you know products but it's (laughs) more than my student budget can handle so brad canfield great job on capturing the voice of generations, because
1: I think yeah. we all can feel that, <laughs> and it's still relevant today. Yeah, so oh. that's very. It's very telling. Yeah, very telling. Very well done, but sad that it mm-hmm. remains relevant for sure.
2: And that—that's kind of the life too, for not just college students, but people that are probably you know trying to raise families. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's as a college student, it's hard. So I can't even imagine and raise, you know, kids.
0: From the Prism Spring 2008 edition, I will be reading, Don't Let the Truth Ruin Your Day by Sandra Rickman. Are you looking at me or at yourself with your eyes on the glass of a taco shop window? Do you like what you see? Are you checking your hair or comparing yourself to me? Are you hungry? Entertaining thoughts of overpriced tacos, flavor-injected meat from a claustrophobic chicken, drenched in salsa from genetically modified produce. Well, I enjoyed my early dinner. I hope you have a great day and saw whatever you were looking at in a positive light from the overdue sun. I really like that. I feel like it took a turn at the end because I thought it was like a mean not mean but like a <laughs> like defensive poem like mm-hmm. hey what are you mm-hmm. looking at like you're in, you're looking in the mirror and are you looking at me like you know yeah but then it's like no i hope you find i hope you found what you're looking for and i think that's yeah i think that's a beautiful way to think of a stranger who might just be staring at you and you're caught off guard
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> not to contradict that at all but you could also read that ending as a little bit snarky too if you wanted to um okay.
0: <laughs> but I'm with you. I
1: think yeah. that that's a much more positive interpretation that that transition
2: yeah i I did read it as kind of like an illusion like they're kind of trying to sh- show the illusion of what how they're presenting you know what they're buying or where the food's coming from.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it went really um, specific to general, back to specific, I think because it started with oh, this person's looking at me. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to get into all this information about food (laughs) and then back to this person. And I think that's actually pretty cool because it kind of captures your train of thought, your stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Because I do that all the time, like like we just talked about when I'm eating at McDonald's. I'm like, (laughs) you know, maybe I'm looking at some person in the corner and I'm wondering what they're doing, and then I'm suddenly thinking about how terrible it is that I'm spending money (laughs) at McDonald's. And then, yeah, I think that's a interesting choice but i think it's relevant too
0: i think it's also a commentary on like how messed up our food is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's like hey flavor injected meat yeah Yeah. (laughs) like drenched in salsa from genetically modified produce it's like like hey are you looking at me because you need to be looking at something else (laughs) like these big issues but hey okay yeah you know do your thing um But at the same time, like the title, Don't Let the Truth Win Your Day, it's like, I'm still going to enjoy this taco because the person is eating these tacos. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it's kind of like saying, like, okay, I'm not going to tell this person all these (laughs) sad thoughts I just thought because I want them to have a good day.
2: And I feel like a lot of us, too, probably at this point are conscious of like, like a lot of us are probably really conscious of like, yeah, this is probably like horrible. Like mm-hmm. what we're eating, but I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, And kind of relating that to like a person. That's interesting how um, that dissonance or cognitive dissonance, if you want to drop words. Um, <laughs> we love words. Psychology words. Like I feel like a lot of times we are aware of what we're doing. We're just, mm-hmm. it's whether to act on it
1: this next poem comes from the winter 2016 edition of Prism. The poem is entitled And Who Wrote All That by Camille Tolbaum. And obviously I want to hate the old dead white guys, but then I remember my grandfather leaning over his coffee, shriveled, tugging out a sugar spoon, he can't lift to his thin mouth, my grandfather, whose feather body melts into his favorite armchair, croaking hymns, whose own grandfather was a Swedish immigrant and whose father never said I love you, my grandfather standing awkwardly in a revolving door who never knew two words in Swedish because education has always been a plaster bath here. No one gets out clean and now all my grandfather has for culture are Fox News and Precious Moments figurines, but the figurines are grandma's, not his. So can you please explain to me why I have to be reminded of Parkinson's disease in every English class, while I clench my fists and wait for Ragnarok? It's an interesting flip there at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that uh, very, that surprised me a lot. <laughs>
0: the yeah. last one. Um, I didn't expect Parkinson's to come up in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe my perspective is tainted by the recent like recent stuff going on in the media. <laughs> You're like, am I going to start? Because <laughs> she starts off with like, you know, uh, why do I have to hate the old white men? So I'm thinking my first thought was political, mm-hmm. but then it, you know, makes it more human. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, the Parkinson's kind of, and Ragnarok came out of nowhere.
2: I saw it kind of too, it was like, um, it's interesting how, um, from this perspective, the grandfather's kind of like, like, I don't want to say a victim because you know you don't know what the other side of it is, but mm-hmm. um, kind of has been pushed into this situation mm-hmm. and not really, never made that choice, kind of like with Fox News, for example. Like
0: mm-hmm.
2: It's almost like taking advantage of his age or his condition. It's kind of like more humanizing. Mm-hmm.
0: I
1: think so, yeah. I think that a lot of times in our society it's really easy to pinpoint an enemy or a specific person causing this, like the them in the earlier poem. And while that may be true, a lot of the time um, our chosen enemy are still people. They're still people that have diseases and have Mm -hmm. their own personal issues. And it's easy to reduce them to an enemy, and it's much harder to build them back into a person. But with this poem, by picking the specific person that the writer knows, their grandfather, I think she does a really good job of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can't really speak for the ending either. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. <laughs> that ending, but thing, yeah. it, um, it's definitely it definitely captures your curiosity and engages you with it too.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, like how I said, like now in this climate, I think right now a lot of us are feeling vehemently towards that specific group because mm-hmm. you know it's like it's we can all say oh it's all been old white men this whole time in power so like everyone's like oh i want to just you know hate all of them and they're the problem but it's like only a certain few yeah and this poem like you said does good to remind us that they're human it's not everyone it's just think about the humanity (laughs) yeah compassionate
2: and kind of like using like whatever you don't like about those people or the old white men or them or they it's kind of about using whatever technique they're not using. So if they're using what you see as hate or mm-hmm. selfishness or greed, d- it's not going to help in the long run to use, you know, that battering right. back. I mean, there's I think there is a difference between, like, standing up for yourself mm-hmm. and kind of resisting things, but also not, you know, not, you know, sending out, you know, the hate right back. I mean, that might be your, like, initial... Mm-hmm. Reaction. I mean, that's my initial reaction, but I know it's not gonna. I'm just using the same techniques that they're using. So Fighting
0: fire with fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This makes a really big fire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would also say I don't. My interpretation is that um, this writer is not urging you to forgive anybody mm. by any means, but maybe just to understand and just have that knowledge, yeah. because. Anyone who oppresses you or hurts you or hates you, you don't owe them forgiveness, you don't owe them any sympathy, but I think that this writer is just saying just understand and just know what you're working with and know who people are.
2: So this is a poem I wrote called Perpetual um, from fall 2017. Down the back of the mountains that end in sea there is so much beauty crafted for itself to sustain. Down the back of a person, their only ending is the need to be free. The sunsets pass down below the blue, a relief of what was once a day for them. Trailing past the cliffs and bays are worlds of shared human cycles observed from within. The crash of water across an old volcanic rock, a boom of doom for the girl on the shore. Looking past the coastal near, the builds are long and slow they repeat in a calm and join through a blend with only the capes alone staying gray only the shapes of bone
0: thank you beautiful (laughs) thank you for reading that i love hearing poets read their own work because then i know like the inflections and like the emotions and stuff that they really wanted to get across so again thank you for doing that um you are now a part of osu's history
2: (laughs) (laughs) i am honored
0: (laughs) (laughs) the things that you say and write and make matter and um i just love that we have a space here where we can keep that so that students later on can pull inspiration from that
1: yeah every new prism editorial staff inherits this vault of old editions of prism going all the way back to 74 and it's just such a great source of inspiration and it's also worthwhile to note that anything you submit to prism like we don't get rid of anything we keep it we remember it we use it as much as we can so mm-hmm. that's great i also just wanted to point out one line in your poem that always gets me is shared human cycles observed from within mm-hmm. i think that's kind of what we're doing today i don't know if you <laughs> do yeah. you agree with that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i completely yes. agree. <laughs> yeah i think that's great i think that's an important thing oh. to do observe our human cycles <laughs>
2: Well, all I would say was that that, that poem was based off of um, the coast trip that the art department takes. And there was a story about um, this woman named Amanda. This, the specifics kind of went around um, there being settlers that were moving Native American um, people from on the coast of Oregon, um, Different to different internment camps, and there was this woman named Amanda that had to walk down this trail, that was, um, I believe it was like eighty miles or something, and she was blind, and and once they mentioned that on the trip, I was like, that kind of makes me think of this whole area like completely mm-hmm. different, how mm-hmm. despite you know how beautiful it was, but um, and I was like I feel like I need to like pass this on somehow. So she kind of inspired me, Amanda. i um, not sure if that was your actual name, but...
0: <laughs> I think that's a great way to memorialize that because, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to go on the trail and you'll see, like, the statue, if you make it that far. <laughs> um, <laughs> see the statue, but I feel this would reach people who may not have access to that area. Or, you know, and since it's online, there's, like, a bigger audience, so it's, you know, like, spreading more awa- right. awareness and understanding of the area.
1: Yeah, oh, and even great. though... Not everyone will know that story when they read your poem. Mm -hmm. You're capturing the essence of that, and I think that's really important too. And it may inspire people to look further.
2: Something I kind of noticed was, I noticed that the stories became kind of like, they kind of wove in and out from being kind of more broad and covering more and then like more specific. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like a lot of them like you could read these in any of these decades and they'd probably become like they'd translate into whatever time it was mm-hmm. very, and i think that's kind of it's probably pretty easy to do with poetry because it's that's kind of what it's supposed to be is supposed to be universal in a way
0: and that concludes our first episode of beyond the page Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beyond the Page. For more content, features, and overall creative sensibilities, head on over to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll find us under the handle at OSU Prism. Or you can check out our blog by visiting orangemedianetwork.com prism. See you next time.